All right, testing for Dangle Claxo. Oh, no, I think we're good to go. Well, what's up, everybody? I don't do this on TBN. Welcome to or welcome back to TBN. Yeah, we're we're back. We're here. It's a thing again. Damn it! Uh, yeah, I know. We're here. I'm as surprised as you are. Let me get the lower third up here. We are going to have a special guest today. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to TBN. This is the stream uh, where we focus down on news, you know, advocacy, science, policy, uh, regulations, legislations, nicotine, smoking. How many more fingers do you have? <laughs> Two. Uh, sometimes uh, unpopular opinions and the such oh. as. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. That oh, happens. Yeah. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, I'm your host. It's Nick. This, it's my co-host. It's Danielle Jones, president of Casal. What's up, Danielle Jones? Oh, you know, chilling. Look, look at us being back. I know, right? It's, uh, I'm like, oh, I'm a little rusty. I gotta <laughs> I know. Like, brush the dust off. I like, felt, what? Felt what super is this? rusty. Hello? Yeah. What, what, What's happening? What am I doing? Why is this? What is this so close to me for? What, what is this? What am I? Did I have to put makeup on? What's happening? Yeah, feels good. Glad to have you back. Glad to be back. So much happened while we were gone. Oh my god. Too much happened while we were gone. A lot gone. of things happened. A lot of like big things happened mm. while we were gone. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about them, damn it. Danielle Jones, we're going to talk about all of them. Yeah. Um, I think Amanda Wheeler Amanda Wheeler was just here. Yeah, we're having some dangle clacks. And then there were some dangle clacks, and then things happened, and I think she jumped out. She should come back. Yeah. Hopefully yeah. she comes back. She was the basis of our entire stream today. Yeah. Well, it's going to be real weird if she can't come back. <laughs> it's going to be real weird if she can't come back. I mean, look, between the two of us, we can definitely rag on the FDA. I mean, we, and we can definitely uh, mention we can talk about everything that happened with Jewel, mm -hmm. even the stuff that nobody's talking about, you know, mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, stuff like that. Yep. But Amanda Wheeler did have some what she was calling spicy news. I mean, I want to hear. About I, I, I want to hear about spicy news, too. I want to hear about spicy news. Well, here we can. Here's what we can talk about while we wait for Amanda Wheeler. Let's talk about this, Danielle yeah. Jones. Yeah. This is a call to action. It's also yes, a citizen's petition. Yes, exactly. Da can you speak to this, Danielle Jones? I know you can. I wish Amanda were here because AVM is the I one wish that like, was here. Really did, did it. it. Right. But essentially, this is not the first time one of these has been done before. Um, and this is not the same as like a... Um, you know, change.org petition. This is actually an official government petition that the FDA like looks at, you know okay. what I mean? This is, this is through like regulatory channels. It's actually hosted on regulations.gov, which is the official okay. government like situation. Casa's cool system that we have allows us to make it easy for you to submit comments to this uh -huh. quickly and easily, but it actually does go through the government. FDA is required to look at these. I think they're required to like say something or it's way more official than any like normal type petition. And so we are encouraged and it's about uh, essentially, I feel yeah. like I'm going to mess this up and I wish Amanda was here, but it's essentially, it's related to synthetic nicotine. Right. And I believe it is, you know, petitioning the FDA to essentially um, delay or rather deter enforcement against synthetic nicotine products. Um, as we all know, right. FDA a few months back, suddenly decided that they would insert or rather Congress decided that synthetic nicotine would be inserted into the tobacco control act. It was yeah. previously sort of a loophole 
uh, type situation, but now it's rolled in with everything else. And so FDA gave manufacturers or Congress rather gave manufacturers like 30, 60 days to like throw together a PMTA and submit. And it was absolutely ridiculous. And so in part, uh, what this is, is sort of asking for, you know, kind of leniency and things on enforcement action related to this right. in order to keep these products available for right. the people that rely on them. So absolutely do it, please. If you haven't, 100%. please go do. Ready for this? I'll put the link right in the chat. Do it. I know. I'm sure. I'm sure. Addie Tooney's been putting the link in the chat as well. Whoops. Maybe I can't. Okay. Well, maybe I can't put the link in the chat exactly right now, but <laughs> nope. I have no idea why I can't. That's ridiculous. Oh, let's go over to here. Oh no, it's too long. Okay. Okay. The address, the web address, is just way too long to link this tweet. That is. Oh, the tweet. tweet. I see. This one. We could just go straight this to the call one, to action. This one should work fine. I'm going to put the link in the chat. I forget when I swipe over that everybody can see what I'm swiping to back and forth. <laughs> I literally always forget about that. But yeah, do the do the call to action. Yeah, this, this is, is one, asking asking FDA to use enforcement discretion because it has uh, enforcement discretion. Like that's yes. something that they talk about. Right. They can choose who to. Oh, we've right. got an updated Amanda Wheeler. Was that your text message noise? In. Look at <gasps> fancy Amanda Wheeler. Ooh, you're in a different location now. Uh, my webcam, for some reason, started making evil noises and doing crazy things. So I just booted my husband out of his office and I said, sorry, I've got to steal your office right now. <laughs> no questions I about it. I support it. No questions asked. Yeah, well, look, look at... Pro Everyone. sauce Amanda Wheeler. Well, well, welcome Amanda Wheeler. Yay. And you're to just the live in time. Stream. We're talking about the citizens' petition. Citizens' We're petition. We're just talking about why it's important for people to participate in this. Casa has a call to action that makes it super easy to do it. Is there anything you'd like to talk about in relation to the citizens' petition? Yeah. Is this different than like a change petition or a White House petition? Yeah, absolutely. This is the official process in the Federal Register to petition the FDA. Um, it is a part of the official federal record. They do collect comments on it. It's on the same platform, regulation.gov, where they do propose rulemaking and take comments on that sort of thing. So it's it's not like an informal petition or a change.org petition. It's the mm. uh, official pathway the government has set up to petition the FDA. Exactly. I, and I feel like this is a pretty effective pathway. I mean, has this ever been tried before? Have we used this pathway before or have other companies successfully done it? Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a uh, an avenue the vape industry has used before, other industries have used before, and you know, it has been utilized to some positive effect in the past. Oh, okay. Okay. It was utilized for a PMTA delay, right? I remember that's the most recent one, I think. I'm sorry. Oh, really? The PMTA delay, I think, is the other most recent one that comes to mind. Um, the deadline delay, this was, I think, prior or right around times of COVID. I think um, I would have to go deep into the records, but I remember there was one. Um, did we lose her? No, no, no. That's just me. There. Okay, there we go. Um, related to delaying the PMTA deadline, I think because of like COVID holdups and stuff, that eventually 
correct me if I'm wrong here. I think this is the right one. There was a PMTA delay one, I know, and ultimately it was delayed. Whether or not you can say it was because of the petition or not, I'm not. I can't say speak to that. But we have done that. The industry has done them before. I think huh. Enjoy did one. Uh, hmm. I can't remember exactly for what. Yep. Hmm. I just hate the idea. I mean, I'm not trying to be pessimistic, but it's hard not to be a little bit pessimistic. But when you hear the FDA talk about, oh, you know, we don't have enough funding and we're understaffed. We don't have all these people to do these PMTAs. And then we're going, oh, over here, two guys over here. Yeah, we're doing this as well. And the PMTAs and all the and here's all the lawsuits. And then here's a jewel. You know, I don't know what. <laughs> I have a lot of sympathy at this point, you know, they overwhelmed us. They certainly kept us busy. So I, I don't. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. So so we've got this, the citizens petition up and running. Um, you know, I think Danielle did a really nice job on kind of the backstory of who else has used that. It's certainly a tool our opposition has used effectively. It's a tool others in the industry uh, have used to varying degrees of effectiveness. And so, you know, um, it has thousands of comments on it at this point. So I think it should definitely get a lot of attention inside the agency because there's been a lot of interest in it. Um, and, you know, there, there's no specific deadline to submit comments on that. But since it does pertain to synthetic enforcement discretion, um, in our mind, it, it makes sense for everybody to get their comments in before that deadline closes, which is tomorrow for the synthetic. Right. So um, if you haven't made tomorrow. a comment, uh, you know, tonight or tomorrow, try to try to leave a comment in because we're all on uh Tenter hooks waiting to see what the FDA is going to do in regards to these synthetic applications. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. There's the deadline. It's tonight. Do it now. Do it yeah, now. Just you do, can it do now. it now. You can just do it literally right now. I'm just going to keep spamming the chat with the call to action for the citizens petition for synthetic nicotine. And, and this is one of those things like even if you don't use synthetic nicotine and even if it doesn't affect you directly, still do the call to action. Yes. You know, it affects vaping as a whole. It affects the technology as a whole. Push back on everything. That's what I'm trying right. to tell everybody. Push back on everything. Even if there's a nicotine cap that you're like, eh, I don't vape 50 milligrams, so that's okay if they cap it at 20. doesn't matter if it doesn't affect you. Push back. Always push back. Always do the call to actions. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's it's... Oh, it's really important because a lot of people, you know, aren't used to using synthetic nicotine or maybe they mm -hmm. don't realize that's what a lot of companies have switched to since the tobacco derived nicotine applications got treated the way that they did. But a lot of the industry is functioning and able to service consumers right now based on synthetic nicotine. So it, so it is really important for, you know, maintaining a variety of products to keep retailers open, to keep consumers in the pipeline with products. And, you know, um, we don't know exactly how many companies filed synthetic nicotine applications yet because the FDA hasn't released any sort of data on that. Um, I know, you know, at least 100 companies applied from our um, you know, space in the industry with AVM. Um, I, I know that there are several hundred others, so we'll see how it turns out. I think on the original applications, there were just over 350 vapor companies that applied. So I think it, it should be fairly close to similar numbers this go round. So it is really, really important to a lot of different companies. Yeah, it's a lot. And Amanda brings up a really great point is that, you know, to Nick's, what Nick said, even if you like, I don't use synthetic nicotine, right? I use sure. Rebase. Yeah. But the reason to do this citizens petition is because 
the play like retailers and websites that you want to continue carrying products for you to be able to access and for other people to be able to access, they need something that they can feel at least slightly, you know, comfortable selling and not hoping that somebody's going to show up and like shut them down. Right. And so if they're, if FDA delays enforcement action on these products, stores, right, brick and mortar retail stores, potentially even website stores can at least have some products to continue feel comfortable selling. So you're supporting the industry overall, even if you don't use synthetic nicotine products, right? right. You're still supporting the industry. So Absolutely. please do the petition. Absolutely. And I'm assuming that, I mean, aren't what the majority of vape shops that are still around, what they're selling is mostly synthetic nicotine products, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's certainly correct. And in our retail stores, that's the majority of what we're selling at this point. I know that's the case for many people because out of those original tobacco derived uh, nicotine applications, um, there were about six million or so filed. Um, I think the FDA is saying there's something like in the range of 55,000 products that are still left under review. So that's a very small proportion of what was filed on. It represents a very small proportion of the market. Um, I think there have only been about 12 companies that got stays from their litigation. Yeah. And so you know, you've got that small number of companies that are left in review. You've got that small number of companies that received stays. But for the vast majority of everyone else, they had to you'll move over to synthetic nicotine to, to stay legally on the market. Yeah, that's, yeah. See, no, Way so more prominent, I think people realize, flip over and read your ingredients listings on your products because there's good odds it may have changed. Yeah, it might be, you might be vaping synthetic nicotine and not even realize it. Just because that's kind of all there is left. And even just, so how many vape shops do you uh, run, Amanda Wheeler? Uh, we have six. Six vape shops. That's really impressive to me, only because it seemed like there was a period, maybe it was just my perception on like social media and Twitter and Facebook and things like this, where the American vape shop was just being decimated. And I, I, until recently, I've kind of been feeling like there might not even be any vape shops left. Like I feel like they're just like at this point all gone. But then that's not entirely true. You have six. I, you know, I keep hearing about more and more vape shops. And one of my patrons was just, oh, I got my job at the vape shop. And I'm like, okay, so vape shops are actually still a thing in some states. What's it like running a vape shop in this climate? Well, it's it's pretty nice right now to be on. Like, you know, the part of our <laughs> yeah. the part of our business that is actually running our business, you know, our employees, our customers, product, ordering, sure, sure. You know, sales, all of that. Um, that's the fun part of our business that we like. That's the part that's actually going really well. Um, you know, I think there were a lot of things at play. There was definitely a, a time in 2019 where vape shops were seriously declining. I think we went, if you look at VTA's economic analysis, they did in yeah. like 20, there were 14,000 vape shops in the U.S. And then the last analysis they did only showed um, a little under 10,000. So that's a significant percentage that that went away. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that was due a lot in part to state based actions where, you know, just if you happen to be in the wrong state and they did a flavor ban, your vape shop was in trouble. But really, a lot of what happened was in 2019 with all of the volley misinformation. Yeah. Um, 
customers got scared and they stopped coming into the stores. And a lot of people um, went through historically low revenues at that time. It was very hard to keep employees on the payroll, very hard to have enough money to order products, all of that sort of thing. And so I think for those of us that went through um, all of the hard times of 2019, um, what's going on right now is very welcome because I think all of the customers are coming back into the stores. You know, the, the employee shortage issue that we were having for a while is, is no longer happening. And so it's actually a, a, a really nice time to run a vape shop if you exclude everything that's going on in the government. <laughs> if you exclude all reg- all regulations and pending regulations, then right. damn, it, I- damn, it's a pretty good time. Yeah, but if you factor that in, it's pretty horrible because it's like, am I going to have any product to sell next month, you know? Right, right. It's If we could just run our businesses and help our customers, it would be great. But unfortunately, there's a lot more going on than just that. Do you still get a a pretty good influx of of never vapors, current smokers coming in and and trying or... Yeah, you know, I think, uh, yeah, we run numbers on this last week. So among our six stores, I think last week we had over 200 new customers that had never shopped with us before. So, you know, there's still a steady stream of new people coming in, checking things out, seeing what it's about. I don't know how many of those people came from other businesses or other suppliers, but those, you know, we still get quite a few new customers all the time. Yeah, it's I, I I didn't realize up I mean 10,000 still quite a few vape shops vape shops across the United States. The you you never know because the way that it's painted everywhere else is that it's just a it's just a dead and dying thing that, that vape shops aren't just just aren't a thing anymore. Well, around where I live, I mean there's at least 3 that I can think of like you know storefronts that are like, you know, Redwood City vape. And then yeah. if you go look, it's empty. It's been empty. It's like right, vacant. Sure. Nobody's there. There's a bunch of like, I'm not even, I think there might be one shop. I'm not even sure if it's still there. Like in California, it has yeah, not that's, been. Maybe it's me being in yeah. California. Maybe that's what it is. I think part of it is us here because here it's very. <laughs> yeah. Vape shops just maybe just don't exist in California. And the ones that still are selling vape stuff have all transitioned to you know, selling CBD, whatever else, CBD and, and mm-hmm. glass, uh, you know, smoking glass and exotic sodas and candy and whatever else odds and ends like bodega style, not dedicated, dedicated vape shops anymore. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard even, even in our stores, you know, a couple of years ago when things started to get tough, you know, we started bringing in, other types of products and things. But, you know, even today, that's only about 15% of what we sell. You know, 85% of it is still purely vape because that's really, that's our bread and butter. That's our mission. That's what we're here to do. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Well, and I've always really liked vape shops and thought they were really, really critical to the whole operation, the whole process. You know, they talk about when you're quitting smoking or through smoking cessation, it always does better you know, you have better outcomes if there's support groups, right? Vape shops, online yep. communities, those mm-hmm. are the support groups. When you gut vape shops, you're gutting part of what makes vaping so successful to begin with. And it's one of the reasons, like, in 2017, I did that, like, the vape tour thing. And we just went to vape shops just because I wanted, like, to bring attention to vape shops and be like, hey, a vape shop in Utah, Utah, you guys have a vape shop. It's right here. It's Crazy Vapor. They're great. And so I, you know, want to try to support and bring attention to the vape shops. 
Yeah, well, you know, we we in the vape shop world appreciate that, you know, because we that what we do is really important. We, you know, go to links to, you know, safeguard, um, you know, miners accessing the products. We go yeah. to links to our employees are very well trained in the products and how to talk with with new smokers that are coming in wanting to you know try vaping for the first time and so there's a lot of specialty knowledge and expertise that goes into it and the fact is if you look at um you know the other big places are sold on the convenience store shelves you know there's there are too many of us that you know we're not jewel vapors we're not views vapors that's not what helps us and you know unfortunately open systems doesn't fit on the convenience store shelf so it's just yeah. really important to keep specialty retailers around yeah i 100 percent agree i mean there's just so many different ways to vape people need access to all of it all of it 100 percent hundred percent. Damn FDA. What are you doing? They're denying jewels. Okay. So let me ask you this. Did the jewel decision surprise you when they made that announcement of MDOing all of jewels products? Did that surprise you? I was surprised. Like legitimately I... was, couldn't believe what I was reading. I thought for sure a tobacco flavor would a hundred percent get approved. They had already approved what the few the views solo uh you know and the enjoy enjoy Ace. and the dailies and the yeah the logic the tobacco jewel of course is going to get an authorization and it didn't what surprise me you know i mean is it is it valid to say i was shocked but not surprised is that a sure. oh, yeah, sure, that was sure. me too that's that a very was me political too. way so to say yes I call it valid because that was my like surprise, but also not surprised. Like, yeah, I mean, it's such a it's such a big flashy story that it has like a certain amount of shock value, right? Somebody rips the right. bandaid. But you know, I mean, we started telling people we at ABM, you know, last year, even before all the mass denials came out, about two months before they started issuing mass denials to everyone. The way that FDA was relating to manufacturers on the back end completely changed. And it went from the situation where they were working with us, being reasonable, um, you know, doing on-site inspections, doing remote assessments, asking for documentation, giving people time to address deficiencies. It went from that to all of a sudden, um, your application is now immediately in review. Um, we'll let you know when something happens. And that was it. And then the next thing was a wave of denials. But when that happened, it was right after um, Acting Commissioner Woodcock got dragged up onto the hill and just destroyed over yeah. this topic. And you could see there was a sea change, just a tidal shift in the way that FDA um, was dealing with this on the back end. So by the time all those denials came out, you know, we immediately, we saw the first one and we started telling people, this is a de facto flavor ban through regulatory decision making. Like they're going to do this to everyone. And everyone was like, no, no, you're crazy. They're not going to do that to everyone. And then they did it to everyone. Right. And if you notice, um, they have approved views, the solo, they didn't approve the Alto, which is their really popular product. Yep. Yep. Right. The first time FDA made a decision on a truly massively popular product that showed up on all of the NYTS surveys. Right. And so, you know, is it that surprising? No, because they've been under political pressure for a long time. This was the first time they've done something 
on a product that's hugely popular. And so I don't, I don't, it, it is shocking because it's a huge news story, yeah, but shocking. it's, it's par for the course at this point. I think what shocked me the most is that they had the audacity, in my opinion, to cite some sort of lack of science as the reason for yeah. denying it. Because yeah. that, I'm sorry, I am yeah. sorry. That is just impossible. Jewel, if love or hate Jewel, they are literally the most studied vapor device on the planet. Ever. They have so much resources, so much science, so much just like all the things you cannot like if they had come There's out and been no like well way. because of the marketing to the kids we're just i would have been like oh yeah mm -hmm, all right you know what i mean <laughs> but to go for the science that's the yeah. one area where i was like i'm not buying this for a second because that's where i think jewel would of course have it locked down of course like, they crushed locked it. down of course you know? they crushed the science and and, and fda used odd language too when they're and they're talking about well, this is the reason why it's denied because of this toxicological, uh, you know, discrepancy, whatever, in their application. But also, there's there's no inherent harm in right. using these products, even though they couldn't provide evidence that they were safe. It's like it felt like they were just talking in a circle. They're like, oh, it's dangerous because we say it's dangerous, so it can't be on the market. But if you're using it now, there's no inherent danger to you right now. It's just that Jewel couldn't prove that they were safe because we're saying they're not safe because the toxicological report. But if you're using one, then it's, okay, you know. It, right, right. It's, it doesn't it was, make any sense. They're like right? trying like, to please everybody, the prohibitionists and tell vapors right. that to keep using the Jewel because we're doing this for a weird reason. It, it just felt, it all felt really bizarre all the language they were using. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, that's FDA is catching themselves in this just web of dishonesty right now, because yeah. it's like I said, if they would have been honest on the face of it and said, you know, there's been too much controversy with the youth figures. I wouldn't agree with that. I would understand the rationale to ding them on toxicology, which they said they provided, what, 60,000 pages of toxicology to try to manufacture some kind of reason. It's, you know, it's just like the they manufactured a reason to deny all of us, you know, by creating the surprise switcheroo fatal flaw yeah. memo. Right. Uh, longitudinal cohort study that they had never asked for before, right? They just invented something, right? Because they don't want to come out and say, well, we're just going to deny flavors because we right. think kids use them, right? right? It's like with the Jewel. They're not going to say, well, we're denying Jewel because, you know, a whole bunch of kids use this and our political, you know, people in Congress are up our tails about it, right? The toxicology, like Jewel <laughs> didn't do their tox work. Come no. on. They spent a hundred no. million. The toxicology is one of the most basic parts of a PMTA. Like that's not even the advanced stages of PMTA. That is just the most ridiculous thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, no. A hundred million dollars and they forgot to do toxicology data. No, absolutely not. Uh, absolutely. And then what I loved, and I don't know if I'm jumping the gun here. What I loved was right. So FDA, so FDA denied, right. And then Jewel immediately did and Amanda probably knows this better than me, the technical stuff, they immediately like appealed essentially, which goes to court. And so then they got granted this sort of like emergency stay. And then there was more paperwork and the more recent filing that Jewel did actually went so far in there. If you can, you read the unredacted parts, it actually says like no FDA, we included 
6,000 pages in our PMTA just of toxicological, whatever that word is, toxicological data. Oh. It's in there. You just didn't read it, right? Like, not even to say, like, okay, we can submit more. No, they were literally like, it's in there on page, like, 500. What are you doing? It's We included yeah, it. It's, it is actually right there. Right. Like, <laughs> if they'd been like, oh, our bad, we can submit more for you. Like, what? no, no, no. It was there the whole time. And then right after that, FDA is like, oh, never mind. Uh, we'll put you back in. We're going to reevaluate is... the science. Um, uh, what is <laughs> happening right now? Well, it's very similar to what happened to Turning Point Brands in 2020, right? Turning Point in the original, um, you know, slaughtering of, of all of our companies, right? Um, Turning Point was caught up in all the surprise switcheroo stuff. And they went back and they said, hey, we did provide data that showed tobacco vapes compared to flavored vapes in regards to youth use. And FDA said, oops, mea culpa, you know, like we'll pull back your your, you know, your MDO and then Turning Point rescinded their lawsuit. So, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of, it's, you know, different, but very similar. And that's what gets me about the media with this whole thing, right? The media is looking at what's going on with Juul and they're like, well, can you believe the FDA? And I'm like, where have you been for the last 18 months? This is not new. <laughs> yeah. Right? You just have Juul that's going to get headline attention. So now you care, but everyone acts so shocked about this. I'm like, there are so many companies that have already had this experience with FDA. It would have been nice if the media and the public would have cared a little more about it before we got to this point. But I'm, I'm at least glad people are starting to care now if it took a big shocking Jewel story to get them there. No, to that point, the day that it happened and Jewel was like trending on Twitter, which was like a big deal, right? Everybody yeah. was talking about it. Jewel. I cannot I cannot even count how many times there were like random people on Twitter being like, well, it was only one company. All the others are fine. And I was like, <laughs> hold my beer. Hold false. my beer. Let yeah. me type. What are you talking like? Way false. Yeah. That's no, I was like. Why did they single out Jewel or why are you panicking? There's other vapes. And I'm like, oh, they're doing this to everybody, guys. Come on. I was like, where have you been? Have you? No. Okay. Nobody pays attention to FDA news unless it's Jewel, apparently. But I mean, like, FDA had to know before they even made this announcement, before the, even the leak. Wasn't this leaked before it was It was leaked announced? the day before. It was yeah. leaked the day before. Leaked. They had, yeah. had to know that Jewel was going to appeal it. And probably file a lawsuit back and then stay on the market. Like, was was this just theater that they announced this? Because they know, like, they know what's going to happen. I mean, I want Amanda to go, but I have a theory. I have my own personal unsubstantiated theory, but. I like unsubstantiated theories. I don't know why I have this nagging suspicion our theories are the same. So They're probably. <laughs> so my theory is that. This whole, you know, missing scientific data, not not a real thing. They know what's in this. They've had two years to look over Jules mm -hmm. PMTA. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's big, but they've had like a team working on it. This was an excuse to be able to deny the products and make big headlines about, oh, FDA, we said Look no. at us. Right? Look at us. Because of the political pressure, right? Uh -huh. Because of uh -huh. Raja, because of Durban, because of everybody, because of Congress, because of PAVE all the things right fda did not feel like they could just come out and go you're approved 
ta-da, because yeah. they would get crucified by these organizations and legislators. So I think what they thought was, okay, we're going to deny it, and we're going to give a real weak sauce reason that's not even a real reason, because clearly the data is in this giant report, but we're just going to say we missed it, right? We know that Jewel is immediately going to take us to court. They're definitely going to win because that data is definitely in here. And then FDA can be like, well, sorry. I mean, we tried to deny it, but the court said we had to. They're trying to wash their hands of this uh, so that it can get authorized. This is, again, unsubstantiated without theory. Without them actually authorizing it. Right. They want to be forced into it by the courts so that PAVE and everybody isn't mad at them. It's like, well, what could we do? But it's not going to stop. I mean, even if they go, I'm sorry to cut you off, Amanda. I know I want to hear Amanda's version take of this as well. But even if Danielle's, honestly, similar, do you have a similar theory? Oh, identical. That's exactly what I think is going on. Even if they get through this little slippery thing and they get forced to into approving or authorizing rather jewel on the market, the political pressure isn't going to stop. I mean, I mean, it's not just suddenly going to be like, well, I guess leave FDA alone now and stop pressuring them to do our bidding instead of following their own scientific regulatory process. We'll just leave FDA alone now. I mean, I don't know what the groups, you know, what, uh, what Matt I don't know Myers what what and like Funky Bunch are going to do, but because there yeah. are they, they will have ongoing. Right. So when you get an authorized PMTA, that's not like the end of it. You're not like approved no, for forever. forever. There's po post-market surveillance. Um, I think with MRTPs, at least it's like every three years. I don't know what uh, exactly PMTA, but this can get like revoked after a period of time. So it's not like everybody's good for forever, even if you get authorized. I don't know if they'll put pressure on them. You know, if it gets authorized, they'll try to pressure and you know, that to be revoked at some point. I don't know what their plan is. Um, but I think FDA just did not be want to be on the hook as just authorizing it with no issue. They wanted to pretend to put up a fight. Pretend to put up a fight for the sake of political pressure. Yes. And then force them purposefully have the courts force them to authorize Jewel. That's my theory. That's some that's interesting. That seems like just a lot of unnecessary political theater. And why doesn't FDA just stand up for themselves for once? I mean, just do the right thing and stand up for yourselves. Tell Raja Krishnamurthy, hey, shut up. You're not a scientist. We are. We did the science. These are for public health. You know, you, you don't you, you have no power here. Except they do over their budget, though. They, I mean, they do over their budget, but that's messed up to hold a regulatory uh, agency basically hostage with funding unless they regulate the way that you want them to regulate. Welcome to the United States government. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Woo. USA. USA. To be fair, FDA does get a ton of their funding from user fees. So a lot of it is independent from Congress. I want to say like 25% of their budget, though, is controlled by Congress. If I'm not, Amanda, yeah. correct me if you know better. But I think a lot of it is user fees from, you know, pharmaceutical, drug, tobacco, any of it. Um, but they do still rely on Congress for a portion of their budget. 
Yeah, you know, I'm I'm no expert on on how all of that works, but I know CTP is funded by user fees from cigarette sales, and they base it off of the tax stamps that are you know tracked by the federal government and all of that. And it's a whole other deal that you know vape has never been a part of FDA user fees, so it's not my area of expertise per mm. se. Uh, you know, Congress is the one that it discusses how the user fees are allocated and what the rates are and all of that sort of thing. Um, you know, and Congress also, you know, um, deals with appointments, you know, they have to confirm the FDA commissioner, all of that. So, you know, that's another reason they're concerned about it. So there are many reasons, but you know, so it's interesting. I'll share, um, an anecdote with you guys. So I was talking with someone that has, way more years of experience dealing with FDA than than most of us in, in vape land from like pharma and tobacco and all this, you know, stuff. And, you know, they, they basically shared with me that, you know, talking with people inside the agency over the years, at any given point, FDA is being sued by so many people, right? Yeah, yeah. And when making a decision on anything even remotely controversial, they know that they're going to get sued by somebody. And so sometimes they're kind of sitting back and deciding, who do we want to face in court, right? And so sometimes that goes into some of the decisions because they're thinking ahead to, you know, well, if we're going to get sued by one side, which side would we rather take on in a court battle? And so, you know, that's uh, a little bit cynical, but I did hear that from somebody who was very much in the know. So... Who knows? I don't put it past them. I'm That's curious why they wanted crazy. Jewel as opposed to, you know, if like, Matt let's Myers, go down that path and assume Bloomberg. like that's how they're, you know, calculating this. Why do you want to face Jewel slash Altria in court as opposed to, you know, the people that make logic or uh, the views or, you know, any like I'm just I'm so interested because the views product like the other what two or so like salt-based vape devices even enjoy it's all basically kind of the same thing right like all of these devices are essentially very, very similar. similar not super um, different from this right like there you know i'm sure there's there's minute differences sure, there's, okay sure. but like generally right these things are similar so what's especially bizarre is like oh views and enjoy had appropriate scientific you know toxicology data yeah but jewel didn't and these like products are essentially like same kind of ingredients same it's, kind it's of same you basic know, hardware technology. like what why do you pick them like i would think they wouldn't want to go to court with jewel or really any of the tobacco companies because they're good at going to court if uh if we look at history i don't i would think that they would go after the independent, like they'd be much more comfortable going after the independents, but that may show you just how powerful this political pressure is, right? Like they can't overcome that level. Like Amanda said, they've been dragged in front of Congress and screamed at by, yeah. you know, congressional people but about, just you know, will you sit here and promise me that you will never approve a jewel PMTA? Like, no. Yeah. What is, what is this? Like an oath that I'm, what is happening? Is this a club that you have to pledge to? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do like you pinky promise? Yeah. Like a blood Exactly. <laughs> is, do you guys have a clubhouse? Like, am I joining a cult? What is happening right now? Yeah. yeah. Other thing that I heard about FDA recently that was really interesting was that uh, they had to hire a crisis communications PR firm because of all of the fallout from all of this, which I find just phenomenally gratifying. 
Yeah, what isn't it some I can't remember the name. Somebody who's like a pundit on one of the networks or something. I don't know who it is. I'm not sure on that. Yeah, they did. I saw that. Yeah, they hired <laughs> outside of vape right fda is in a whole bunch of hot water on a number of issues and i am a single issue political person right i care about vape i am you know an advocate around vape so don't anybody skewer me if you have very strong feelings on any of these topics right but look at everything the fda is in hot water for the opioid crisis right that's been going on forever yep um Everything surrounding COVID, the vaccines, all of it, right? Um, baby formula, like all of a sudden the entire country ran out of baby formula. And and now you've got, you know, the jewel crisis, right? And right. so, you know, it's it's just one thing after another. I think FDA's got probably lower public confidence than they've ever had. No, it's true. And even before all of that, just to point out, there was a big controversy. I think it got swept under the rug about an Alzheimer's drug that was approved um, even before like any of the stuff that we just mentioned. So they've been in hot water for a minute yeah. about a lot of different like everything from like Alzheimer's to COVID to baby formula to vape. Like yeah. they're not winning friends and influencing people these days. <laughs> Yeah. And well, there's, yeah, it's crazy to think about all the other lawsuits because like you were saying, Amanda, I just come at this from, you know, the vape standpoint. So I, I, I try to keep up on like the Triton lawsuit and the jewel lawsuit, but FDA at any given time is involved in so many different controversies and so many different lawsuits. How do we even still trust the FDA to tell us when lettuce has E. coli and we should avoid lettuce? It's like, the trust just erodes away into nothingness. I don't know. I've, I've never had a lot of faith in the pharma side of FDA. No. I, I just hope and pray that maybe the food division knows what the hell they're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I feel like this isn't, I mean, is this going to end well for the FDA? For FDA? I'd like to think not, but... I don't know. I mean, how do you, this is the problem like across the board, right? You could talk about this with any agency. I, in my personal opinion with the United States government, like a lot of this stuff is broken, right? We're sure, seeing it a lot sure. with FDA because we're really involved in this. Yeah. But these kinds of problems are not unique just to FDA. I mean, there it's across like CDC's had their own, you know, uh, yeah. spat of conflict of interest issues that I've, you know, hammered about. Other organizations as well have swayed to political pressure or different things. Like this is a, a nationwide problem, I think, with our government because of the way so many things are interlocked. And I mean, you could talk for days about what all the issues are, but right. I don't know how this, because I do believe, and this may or may not be an unpopular opinion with our viewers and stuff, I do believe that we need an agency like the FDA to make sure that consumer products and, you know, prescription products are safe for people i yes. do think that we need something that things you know, need to be regulated right so i think i think they are a safety net that ought to exist uh the way that they are run how it works how basically it's the you know head of fda is a revolving door with pharmaceutical companies you know all of these conflicts and funding issues and secret meetings and incentives and you know, I mean, the fact that alone FDA, like we talked about, the majority of their budget comes from the companies that they regulate. Yeah. 
that's not a great situation. Like, yeah. if I wanted to set up a Netflix movie about bribery and blackmail, that's what I'd set up, right? An organization <laughs> that gets paid by the people they're supposed to be regulating, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is a perfect recipe for problems, in my opinion. But I don't know how you fix this. I don't know. Because like I said, I don't think we should, you know, dissolve it personally. Because I do think that consumers ought to be protected from, you know, companies that are greedy and will cut corners. Um, clearly but also do. That clearly do cut corners. Right. Like there have been dangerous things in products before. Too many dangerous things in too many products. Like I agree with you. And this is coming from a California libertarian who's all about right. the free market. Right. But. But we don't want snake oil. We don't want we people don't want telling you oil. if you buy this vitamin, it'll cure your cancer. Like that's right. dangerous. That's for super people, dangerous. Right? We don't want that. Yeah, a hundred percent. That and there's actually dangerous, dangerous things that you know. If a company, and I hate to be so cynical as to think that most companies would do this, but if a company has the chance to make more money by, like Danielle, to your point, cutting corners or what uh, grade high fructose corn syrup are we using? Can we drop down to like? you know, barely ingestible for humans grade to make some more money. And, you know, they'll do it. And there needs to be uh, accountability. I agree. But the current FDA, what? How do you trust them? Yeah, no. How? Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's really simple, right? It's very simple, but very complicated on, you know, if I was in charge of the Center for Tobacco Products, right? How yeah. would I you know, someone should hire me for that job. I could do way better than Brian King. He is not. A hundred percent. He has no qualifications. Yeah. If but pharma guys get to head up FDA, I feel like vape people should get to head up Center for Tobacco C Products. CTP, Just yeah. saying. Yeah. Just saying. hundred percent. I would, I, I pick Amanda. I do. Right. Well, so all of these things that they want to know, right? These big global questions about, you know, um, tobacco vapes versus flavored vapes when youth versus adult use. That is a master study that could be done by the FDA. They spend their user fees financing Stanton Glantz's ridiculous studies. Why not do one that's actually useful on vape? That answers that question. You don't have all of these, you know, 10,000 mom and pop companies that are expected to go produce a $2 million clinical trial. They could go find out the answer to that question very easily, right? They set out all of this stuff in the PMTA that we have to test for and the aerosols and the toxicology, all of that. They never defined what the acceptable limits are, right? They, they should create some very basic standards. Here are the known harmful, potentially harmful constituents in a vape. Here's the cutoff. Go test your product for that. Show us if it falls into the acceptable range, right? Yep. It's, you know, 6 million applications on the same 600 ingredients. It's ridiculous. Why not <laughs> right. a list of ingredients in vape devices that they have researched that they know are acceptable to put in like they have for food and other things. Dietary it's, supplements is a perfect yeah, example of that. So much more complicated than it needs to be. It should be, okay, we're gonna check and make sure your manufacturing is safe and clean and consistent and that you have recall procedures. We're gonna make sure you're not exceeding any predefined limits and things that might concern us. We're gonna look at your marketing and, and you know make sure you're not out there doing something egregious, right? You know, you're not spoofing Pop-Tarts or whatever. Um, it, it doesn't need to be all of the layers of, of BS that it is. Like the more 
complicated, expensive parts of PMTA that make it so out of reach for everybody. Those are studies that broadly apply to the entire industry that FDA could spend some money into, like they did with VLN cigarettes, like they did with cigars, like they've done with a lot of other things. But they don't do that with ours. They 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 put it on us. You know, each of you companies, you know, you ten thousand companies go out and do the same study that you can't afford over and over and over again. Instead of you know, we could just do this once with all of our hundreds of millions of dollars in user fees, but that would make it too easy on you guys. So we're going to create this impossible situation. It's ridiculous. A hundred percent. All the things. Yes. Oh, I have good old this... free market. Free yeah, market in the United States. We have a free market. Oh, laugh in your face. And the crazy thing is, like Amanda said, FDA regulates other products like this. Like I do graphic design work for people in the dietary supplement like arena, mm -hmm. right? That's how it works. That's how FDA regu regulates dietary supplements. There is a actually grandfathered list of ingredients where if you are making a dietary supplement and your ingredients are on this list, you're fine. You go forth and make your product, right? As yeah. long as you're, it's one of these ingredients, you're good to go. You have some labeling guidelines that you have to follow, right? You got to put your ingredients. You got to put your dosage. You got to put any warnings. You can't market it like this is going to cure cancer. Like you can't make unfounded medical claims. And then other than that, have fun entrepreneur, like go ahead and do whatever it is, you know, sell your lion's mane or, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> yep. And, and they could do something similar. In fact, my, if, if somebody wanted to pick my brain about how I think this should be done, I think an entire separate regulatory body should be created for these sort of gray market e consumer products that are consumer solutions non-pharmacal like non-pharma stuff so cbd you know cannabis kratom vape like all of these things sure. would go into because they're not pharmaceutical but they are consumer products yeah. but they're also for things you know what i mean like a separate agency just for those that understands you're working with small businesses that understands that a lot of them use the same stuff so like studies can be pooled all that kind of stuff yep bananas I mean that would be far that that would be far less bureaucracy, Danielle. We can't have that. You you, you need to have you need the the ten thousand page long PMTA process. You need sixty thousand pages of toxicological reports for what is you know objectively one of the most simple little pieces of technology ever to exist. Not no, it's not enough for FDA. It's not enough for FDA now. Um, so uh, Amanda Wheeler. Yes. I heard that I like you that my first and last name together. Oh yeah. Amanda Wheeler. I don't know. There's some people. I do that to you too, Danielle. Danielle hey, I was just going to say he does it to me too. It's Danielle, Danielle Jones. Jones. Danielle Jones. I don't know what it is. Some Very people efficient. get the first and last name. Amanda Wheeler. Uh, Amanda Wheeler. How do we hold FDA accountable for, uh, regulating so arbitrarily and capriciously how do we how do we get to hold them accountable is that a reality it is a reality you know i think um you see all of this litigation that companies are launching into that's one way for you know each company on their own to hold fda accountable over their specific application and you know companies are having some success with that um but you know avm we just put together 
um, a request to the Office of the Inspector General at uh, Health and Human Services, which oversees the FDA, um, to conduct into the Center for Tobacco Products PMTA review process. I just said so many acronyms and things, yeah. but all of our audience here, they're all very informed on these things, so it's fine. Um, but we, we sent a request to the Office of the Inspector General at HHS overseeing them, um, outlining what we feel is a non-scientifically driven decision-making process, what for all the reasons we've discussed and everyone on Twitter's discussed at length, um, is a politically motivated process, right? And sure. um, you know, that is another way that we have to hold them accountable. We sent, uh, thank you. Is for this okay that. to share? Is this okay to share? Oh yeah, okay, absolutely. Good. We sent this in uh, last week and we'll, we'll put it up on our uh, social media and website so people can go uh, take the time to read it. But you know, you oh. see we, we to the inspector general, um, you know. Their name is that, Grim? Yeah, there's this another. Is a, this is a good sign. This <laughs> is a good sign, believe it or not. You're the best, Grim. Though this I mean, is the judge, best. it's true. Not it, so you great. are objective. <laughs> well, he could. Christy A. Grim could become our our new favorite Grim. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I, I think he'd be hard to knock out of the top spot. Well, we'll see. He, he could. Yeah, but so I mean, you know, you, we see there. You can go through it if you want, but you know, yeah. we just outline our reasoning. We link to everything that we're saying to substantiate it. We were trying yep. to set out a brief fact pattern. So, you know, to, to, you know, really outline what the gist of our complaint is and the direction we'd like them to look in, yeah. um, several specific items we suggest to them that they may want to specifically look at. Yeah. See, even right here where you say, although Juul is the largest such company to receive a marketing denial order, members of AVM have been denied marketing approval for several million products for what seems to be similar arbitrarily and politically infused decision-making. Yeah. It's almost yeah. like if Jewel, I don't know, Jewel, I'm, I don't know if I've ever considered Jewel like an enemy or a friend or an ally or something like that, but it seems like the enemy of my enemy is my friend if it's kind of like, hey, that happened to us too. Well, everything that Jewel is saying already happened to, to thousands of us as well, like us too. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing, you know, we wanted to tag on to that because, of course, everybody knows the name of Jewel, right? Mm -hmm. Not everybody knows the names of, you know, my tiny company or, you know, Char's tiny company or our other yeah. members' companies. And so we wanted to make the point, like, this egregious thing just happened to Jewel, but it has been egregiously going on for a year and a half. Yeah. It, egregious. Yeah. Yes. It is egregious. It is. It is. And you, call, you even call out uh, Durban? Oh, well, we call them all out. We, we're the PAVE thing where Raja mm -hmm. was bragging about it, Durban, yeah. uh, the Woodcock. I mean, there's a whole history there that I think really deserves to be told. I mean, you know, if you look um, if you look at the Jewel case, they spell it out. Um, there are several advocacy organizations that put in an amicus brief, including us. Mm -hmm. It's spelled out further in the amicus brief. Uh, yeah, Kassaw was on there as well. I think it was like all of the sort of OG uh, vaping organizations uh, were on there. And in that amicus brief, you know, it just provides further evidence of that. And so, you know, we wanted to take it outside of the realm of the court system in the Jewel case specifically that's about Jewel and say to the inspector general, this is going on everywhere and it needs to be investigated. 
Um, you know, you already see FDA admitting that they've made mistakes. You've already see the court saying that FDA's made mistakes. So we've got to look at this across the board, not just for Juul. Agreed. I love it. And it was interesting because we actually got a response to this this afternoon from. Did uh, you? Yes, from Miss Grimm's uh, representative. And um, interestingly, uh, they said that there has been an investigation that the OIG has been conducting into the FDA PMTA review process since November of last year. And they will certainly incorporate our concerns into their inquiry. So that was the just uh, I'm not oh. on my. It's so I hear that document, but uh, we'll post it up as well. So we actually did get a fairly expeditious response, which I was shocked by. Interesting. So is that news to us that this that they're already investigating? Is that did we know that? I feel I didn't. I had no idea. I didn't know that. If anybody in the chat knew about that, you know, link us to something because I just found out about it. I'm like, oh, well, well, now we've lodged our concerns, you know, feed them into. Right. Well, and it is kind of like it's it's cool that that I, I like that you guys did that. But it's also kind of cool to know that you're not the first that, you know, like maybe you are the first, but that they're already sort of investigating this. That somebody else thought something was sketchy. Yeah, somebody right? else already thought something was sketchy. Well, that's kind look, of reassuring a little bit. I want to it because the way that it read to me, it almost sounded like it was some of the ants groups that uh, were asking them to start an inquiry last mm. year. And so now we, we've brought the other side of what needs to be looked at into the inquiry. That's I, I, I need to do. I'm really speaking out of school because I just found out about this like okay. shortly before the show. But I need to do some more research on whatever they've been doing since November of last year. Oh, it could, now that see, would that, be interesting if it was ants groups doing it. Right. Like that would, would be because we be know they're goal? unhappy. Right. Yeah, they're unhappy. But what would be their goal? They, they would find out, oh, FDA really did regulate based on political pressure? Well, I mean, I, I'm not. Mission I'm accomplished? Not sure. You know, I think um, the thing that is interesting now that we know that this is going on um, is it opens up the door to do FOIA requests on this inquiry, um, opens up the door to do FOIA requests on even the internal communications that they had when they received our requests last week, you know, all of all of that sort of thing. So now we can start to, you know, it's great that they sent us a letter back and said, we are investigating, we're going to take your concerns into account. But now it, it calls for some follow up, which yeah. we'll be all over and any other, you know, advocacy groups out there, if you want to take up the challenge with OIG, you know, write a letter and like we did, you know, I'll give you all the templates and stuff with who we emailed it to and all of that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, send in your own inquiry, you know, for yeah. from the investigation, you know, follow up with them to ask them periodically how it's going. You know, that's the, there are so many of us. I think there's a lot of stuff that we can do. Um, we just have to be very, very persistent about it because, you know, they're getting bombarded with litigation. I think that's making progress. You know, we can bombard them with citizen petitions, we can work through the OIG. We can work through the ombudsman. There's a lot of things our advocacy groups can be doing. Yeah. And they are, you know, not to imply people are not doing things. Everybody's doing a whole lot and it's awesome to see. Yeah. I think, I think it's, it's, it's 
making this a lot harder than I think FDA thought it was going to be to just roll over us. Yeah. Well, it feels to me like they're trying to fit a square hole into a or a square peg into a round hole because they're trying to seems to me again i'm just speculating this is based on nothing it's just a grim green hypothesis these usually don't pan out very well but it seems like they're just trying to fit vaping into the role that tobacco used to have it's like no these small few companies are going to control it we're going to regulate it it's going to be the bad guy we're going to have anti campaigners for it like they're just trying to fit vaping into this tobacco space but it's 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 not possible. It's not it's not a possible thing. Nope. I mean, it's their whole strategy, right? Big vape, big yeah, tobacco. Yeah, that's that's what the like, vibe I get. Like it's big the vape, key, right? Hooking a whole new generation, yeah. even though there's no data so, to support that. I mean, you know, yeah, that's part of their strategy. Yeah, and it doesn't work in their narrative to say. And this is why I push this so hard, especially you know, as a part of Casa. I go around on the internet and make it my personal goal in life to correct every human that I find <laughs> that says like, oh, big tobacco invented vaping. Like, right. no, absolutely yeah, not. Stop. stop right there. Consumers, people invented vaping, came up with it, innovated it, made it creative, pushed it, all the things. Big tobacco came in later after Way we later. Done all the hard work of making an industry and then they were like, oh, we can yeah. jump on this cash cow as well. That's what happened. Yeah. And to say anything to, to the contrary to that is factually incorrect and a rewriting of history. Yeah. And that it is key to, in my opinion, dismembering their strategy because that's not true. And no. when, it, when you realize that people who are directly affected by, like, imagine if cancer patients rose up and made their own cancer cure because they got tired of you know waiting chemotherapy on whoever. And, yeah, right sure sure like tell me how you're realistically going to poke holes in that from a pr standpoint like oh what are you going to discredit cancer patients for wanting to save can- themselves yeah right and and so part of you know i really feel like that is a narrative that absolutely has to come to the forefront of this because it's really hard to discredit people making a solution for themselves that's the american dream right pulling yourself up by your bootstraps making a solution to a problem and then also finding a way to make money off of it that is literally america prolifically across through the free market before the government gets involved and picks winners and losers right yeah, that is the American dream, damn it. It is the most patriotic thing we yeah, could do. That right? is like, super American dream, yeah, 100%. And I, I think it was Big Tobacco that kind of was just like... Just about that, Danielle, because I think that's such a good story. I'm like in an essay contest specifically <laughs> on that Take topic. Take it, write it, do it. Like, yeah, do it. I, I, yeah, we're working on that right now. But it's true. I mean, you know, I, I always shamelessly tell my story about being a cancer survivor because like... A, it's my story, yeah. but but I think to illustrate the point that like there are people who need these products. They're not just you know teenagers fiending in the bathroom. These are real life people that have concerns and have you know things that you know health problems that they've dealt with in the past. Health problems that you know they know smoking is going to cause them in the future, and so people are actively looking for their own solution, and they found it if the government would just get out of the way. 
Yeah, 100%. The government would I, just get out of the way. I really, in my head, uh, like a month or so ago, I started composing an op-ed, which I have, I don't know how to get an op-ed published. But if I did, I wanted to write one that was called Move, FDA, Get Out the Way. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Or Tobacco Control, right? Like, And there's been a lot more critical. It seems like people critical of the FDA have just kind of been coming out of the woodwork. Everybody's writing op-eds and opinion pieces about you know, one of my favorite ones I saw. Oh, here's this one. Drift toward harm production. I was like, yep, harm production. I want the FDA to be known for harm production. Demonizing and, you know, whatever. Vilifying Juul and all the vaping. Denying Juul but approving combustibles. Low nicotine combustibles. That's crazy. That's just harm production. Anyway, it is. I, I've just noticed a lot of, uh, you know more scathing pieces and stuff being written about FDA. I, I agree. Like I think that's I'm partially because it. anybody who logically looks at this situation, who actually pays attention to the facts that are going on mm -hmm. are pretty quick to be like, wait a minute, what is happening right now? Like, you know, even factoring in all of the youth things and all the things you're allowing new cigarettes on the market. Yeah. Still, still cause cancer, still kill people, still all still the have things. A, a plenty of addictive qualities, even if they're lower nicotine, sure. Right. And you're denying these things that even the anti-people begrudgingly admit are less harmful than smoking for the most part. Like yeah. if you twist their arm, eventually they'll mutter it out. Then, okay, they whisper fine. it. Yeah. yeah, they'll whisper they, it. They whisper it. World Health Organization will whisper, you right. know, well, there's a big butt. If every smoker switched to vaping, then that might exclusively, be exclusively no exclusively, dual. Yeah, then maybe that would be a public health benefit. But no flavors. Shh, we say that quietly. You know. And they say, and then they have the nerve in front of uh, lawmakers to say, "Well, we're not pushing for prohibition." Oh, yeah, we have no interest in telling no, adults what to do. Out there. Just not in any flavors, not in an effective nicotine content, not in, you know, the delivery device that people want, you yeah, know, but we're not prefer. just tax the hell out of it, ban everything that makes people like it, and then we'll be okay with it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, what, hey, see, but did, there was some good news this week, some like small good news that um, it's only Tuesday. That amendment that was being pushed into the National Defense Authorization Act got withdrawn. So that yes. was a, a tiny uh, race. I don't know anything about this. This was real fast news. This was like, it came on our radar and then, I mean, Amanda, correct me if I'm wrong, but it came on my radar through, you know, because saw people talking about it and then it was like a few days and then it was like, oh, it's gone. Is this something uh, I can find on Twitter quickly? Problem from like Tuesday to Friday of last week. It was oh, leading. So probably not something I'm going to be able to quickly find on Twitter. Uh, no, what was it? What was it? Give me the gist of it. What was it? Was it an amendment? Yeah. Well, so this representative DeSaulnier out of California um, wanted to file an amendment to the National Defense Authorization Act, which is the budget for military and national defense. Sure. Um, he wanted to file an amendment into that, um, basically stating that, A, um, this is so complicated and wonky. <laughs> now FDA has control over vape through the deeming regulation. Everybody knows about the deeming yeah. regulation. Yeah. So 
was officially a, a, a congressional amendment to define uh, vape as a tobacco product so that FDA's authority over it would never be questioned or challenged, right? So because it would uh, be Congress laying it out, right? Sure. And it also um, said that, that FDA was no longer allowed to exercise enforcement discretion if somebody didn't have a marketing granted order, uh, they had to do recalls on on the product. And and so basically like it would have wiped the market right now, except for view solo and enjoy ace and tobacco and whatever else has an MGO, it would have ended enforcement discretion. So it was, wow. it was a bad, it was a really bad deal for like four days. I was flipping out about it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm glad I didn't even know about that. I'm really glad I wasn't swept up in that stress and I'm glad that it got pulled. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah. That would have been really bad. Yeah. Well, it had, it had not the first thing to do with military or national defense. So, you know, everybody kind of thought it was going to get taken out, but because the guy who sponsored the amendment was on the committee that got to decide which amendments were going to be put on, it was a bit threatening, but luckily it turned out to be nothing. Thank God. Yeah, thank the maker. Yeah. Why? And they're always trying to like slip things in there. That's what happened with the vape mail ban too. Is that sat on the House or the Senate floor forever doing nothing? And then they're finally, oh, we'll just put it in the Zomnibus budget bill that's going to pass. So now we can have a vape mail ban finally after this bill did nothing for years. Yeah. God damn it, Congress. What the hell's your problem? Isn't there some... Uh, movement or some bill that somebody has put forward to, uh, like one uh, I can't remember it's something about one something one something where it basically yeah you can't do bundled legislation right like when you have a bill it has to be about one thing you can't yeah. add all these extra writers and amendments I support that whoever that is and wherever that is in the process yeah. I want that because bills should be discussed and edited right. and Fine and fully and read and understood and, yeah. before they're signed into law. Yeah. Like the Minnesota, did you guys hear about the Minnesota bill that legislators passed and they didn't oh, realize edibles? Yeah, that they legalized <laughs> edibles because yeah. they didn't read the bill. So, so good. they didn't know that it was in there. Like they don't, they don't read it. Yeah. They, they don't. They don't read it. They don't understand it. They don't. I'm nope. sure. I mean, do they think of the intended consequences, the unintended consequences like risk, cost, benefit analysis, nothing. They just it's just huge stacks that they just have to sign. Well, they just know if the lobbyists that gave the money for their campaign told them to vote for right. it or not. Yeah. Kind of. Ding, ding, ding. We, where we don't have corruption in America, we, we, we call it lobbying. Right. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, let's see. We're all depressed now. Oh, we've yeah. been going for a while. Let me ask you this, Amanda Wheeler. Let's talk about the future. I put a little poll in the chat that said the future of vaping in America. I can't swipe to it right now. Is, you know, people seem hopeful about it. But even thinking about the future, obviously FDA, whatever, yada, yada, lawsuits. But we're going to have another year of National Youth Tobacco Survey data. We're going to have, in 2023, World Health Organization is having COP10, where they said they were going to discuss e-cigarettes and tobacco harm reduction. Now it's on the agenda. Those are some future things coming up. How do you, what do you think about the future? God, that's a tough, <laughs> tough question. You know, like globally, right, with all the WHO stuff and whatever, I mean, I, I don't know a ton about that. I do know that a lot of countries have been making some good 
progress lately. I was on a panel at GFN with Nancy Lucas, and she does a lot of Asia Pacific advocacy, and they've had some really good wins over there in Asia Pacific. Um, you know, there have been good things going on in a couple of European countries for harm reduction. You know, so I think there are signs around the world that maybe give people hope. I know a lot of people have some optimism about some of the reports that just came out in the UK, um, all of that sort of thing. So, you know, I mean, globally, I'm, I'm no expert on that, but the people that are experts on it seem to think there are places where they're able to turn around some of mm -hmm. this stuff to build on that momentum, which I think is a great development. Um, here in the US, um, you know, in the short term, I'm not hopeful about it. Like if, if you stretch the frame out to maybe two or three, four years down, I might get a little more hopeful right now, like in the short term, I don't see anything good happening unless it occurs via litigation. Yeah, yes. I think, yeah, I agree. I not think a it's, good report, but that's where I'm at. Yeah. Right. I think it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. I still believe, and I think Amanda does too, that eventually it is going to get better in the United States. I think that we all believe that, you know, truth and science eventually, eventually. Has to win. Right. Are going to, even if that takes the entire rest of the world to be on board with vaping and then you know fda in the united states is the very last country that's finally like well i guess so you know yeah. even if it's that extreme i do think eventually people are going to recognize that vaping is essentially one of the greatest yeah. public health advancements in the history of the world i'm going to go ahead like at least since you know vaccines I, I and things like agree but in the short term yeah i think it's going to be probably painful for a while longer yeah uh yeah i agree i mean i agree with that it's i yeah i've been saying it's gonna get worse before it gets any better for for a real long time it just seems to keep getting worse but i believe it's gonna get better because vaping undeniably works really well you know this is something dimitri said a long time ago is like vaping works and it's and it's always gonna work <laughs> and you know you almost have to give our government and the Food and Drug Administration and the CDC some credit for really controlling the narrative of vaping and managing to convince people that smoke that this life-saving alternative might not be the best option for them, you know, might not be the best option. I think that's kind of unbelievable, Un kind of unbelievable. It's, it's criminal. You've got a product out there that could potentially help hundreds of thousands of people a year not die. Yeah, not and die. Our government is lined up to lie to them about that. Yeah. And even yeah. in the way, even in the way that they, uh, it, that they announce like uh, the whatever, View Solo authorized on the market for the protection of public health. Smokers, if you're interested, here's, they don't even say like, if you smoke, try the, nothing they don't promote it they don't say this is for the protection of public health if you want to switch to this product yes do it they they announce it with just like this little whisper and so i think people who smoke who have no you know whatever uh, horse in the race so to speak is that compelling if you're a cigarette smoker is that compelling for you to try a vape no probably right. not okay yeah right. probably not 
If it, they should be is, like, hey, we just authorized this product and yeah. we'd like everyone to know that if you smoke, perhaps you should try yeah. this. We've just Definitely authorized it. Prove your, this Please. is for the protection of public health. Give it a right. shot. Nothing. Yeah. Nope. Even no, that, okay. even when they approve it, they further like discredit it. They're like, we approved it, but ah. Uh, yeah. But that doesn't mean it's safe. <laughs> yeah, we approved it. We, we, I'm sorry. We authorized it. Toxicological. We did not things. approve it. We authorized it, but that doesn't mean that it's safe. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What kind of message does that send the American people? What does that even mean? Yeah. Like, it's word salad. That's it. It's just talking in circles. These aren't allowed to tell the truth about their products, right? Even if they get an MRTP, there are like a couple of anemic statements that they're allowed to say. Right. Yeah, right? but. Oh, they're not really allowed to go out there and really spread the message of what their products have the potential to do. And it's sad because people should know about it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I hear I hear smokers all the time. They say, well, you know, I know what cigarettes are going to do to me, but I don't know what the vapes are going to do to me. So I'm not going to go there. Yeah, I'm the going. devil, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really sad when people say stuff like that, because it's like, how do you argue with that you know yeah. it's like have three hours to look at studies with me <laughs> right right yeah yeah <laughs> one of my go-to's lately has been because it's true right so the average if you look it up the average um life cycle for getting a pharmaceutical product into the hands of people in america is about 15 years that's the average amount of time that it takes a product to get studied and go through clinical trials and get authorized and all the things right 15 years that's how long vaping has been on the market. Yep. People have literally been, you know, for better or worse, guinea pigs, right? Testing on themselves for 15 years around the world, these products. Same amount of time. So if that's not enough time, that's what I say to people who are like, well, we don't know. It hasn't been long enough. And I'm like, but drugs on the market now were tested for less amount of time than vape has been. So tell me why it's okay there, right. but not here, you know? That's that's my good. Yeah, it was because I think they make that correlation in their head with cigarettes. Like, well, we didn't know for a long time. It's probably that was people also who like smoke throughout the fifties and sixties. Like, well, we didn't know for like forty years. We didn't have computers. We right. didn't have the science microchip. is way better now. <laughs> we didn't have a lot of things back then. Like, yeah. do you really think it should take just as long now? Do you? Is that what you think? Is mm -hmm. that what you think? Yeah. No. Yeah, hundred percent. 100%. We've come a long way since the 50s, guys. Yeah, we have so much better science now, and people are so much smarter. And it can, can be do done this, faster. We can do this way quicker, yeah, and it's way faster. Much more precise and effective, too. Right. We know. We know. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of it that I really had that I wanted to talk about. Unless you had anything else you wanted to throw out there, Amanda Wheeler? You know, um, the the thing everybody's watching right now, you know, obviously the the congressional uh, deadline for FDA on well, it's really on industry. It's not so much a deadline on FDA, but it is coming up this week, mm -hmm. and so everybody's watching to see what FDA is going to do if they're just going to um, issue out a massive amount of denials like they did last time and get hauled to court again, or you know if they're going to you know hold people in limbo and perhaps practice some enforcement discretion, which would be very welcome, um, you know, but that that remains to be seen. There was a, a quote uh, in Stat News 
um, the other day with an FDA spokesperson kind of teasing at the fact that they may exercise some enforcement discretion. So, and of course, you know, all the prohibitionists were, their hair was on fire about it. So, right. you know, it, it won't be boring, but that's, that's what everybody's watching this week. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Look, we'll see what happens. It's it, at the very least in the United States of America, it's going to be a trip watching all this kind of play out. I mean, what, with it, with jewel lawsuits. I can't wait the for the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know who's going to play Amanda, who's going to play Nick, who's going to play like Greg Connolly. Like, I can't wait for this Netflix movie. Yeah. It probably but, won't be for like 20 or 30 years, but oh, there's going to be a movie about this. Yeah. I mean, it's an, a historical thing that's kind of happening right now with tobacco harm reduction and the resistance from the Food and Drug Administration and the Centers for Disease Control. And you know, I don't know. It just trips me out, especially looking at it on like a global scale when you see other countries doing way different things right. and even other countries where you thought it would be much more strict is much less strict. We're all going to get on the same page eventually. I mean, you, you can't. What did I used to say? You can't run from the science forever. You can't. I agree. Yeah. You straight up can't FDA, even if you uh, cave to political pressures. Well, uh, I think that's I think that's it. I think that's going to do it for the for the stream this afternoon, you guys. Plenty of ragging on the FDA. So many lawsuits. It's great. Thank you, Amanda Wheeler, for being here. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Dan. Y'all always happy to come on. Uh, definitely follow not just Amanda Wheeler, but the American Vapor Manufacturer Association on Twitter. I'll post links oh, down yeah. in the description. They post stuff all the time. If you want to follow up on the letter that was sent to the Department of Health and Human Services, I'm sure that will be on their Twitter as well. So follow them on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter if you really want to. But definitely follow the American Vapor Manufacturers Association. Yeah, thank you, Addie Tooney. Thank you for putting that in the chat. And thank you so much, everybody, for being here. There were a few super chats that came in uh, while we were chatting away. Uh, Courtney, that's very gracious of you. Courtney said, uh, thanks for keeping us informed and for keeping up the good fight. It's, it's kind of just what we do, I guess, at this point. I, I feel like this is my mission. This is the hill I'm going to die on. Did you see that tweet from uh, Brad Radu not too long ago when he was on the news talking about tobacco harm reduction in 1994? I don't think I saw that tweet. Oh, it was so great. He's like, oh, yeah, there was resistance to tobacco harm reduction in 1994. It's like him, young Brad Roddy, Bowtie talking Bowtie? about snooze and, yeah, on the news. And then here we are in 2022 with the same resistance to tobacco oh, yeah. harm reduction. And we that just learned. made me all sorts of depressed. <laughs> it's like I can't imagine how frustrated Dr. Brad feels in 2022 having – that many years of resistance to, to harm reduction. Yeah. That's what we do, Courtney. I appreciate it. Uh, Joshua had a in with the super chat. You didn't say anything. You didn't have to, but here's a $5 worth of fist bump. I hope maybe a few more seconds, $5 worth of fist bump. And then Jake Scrapwood says in the Midwest, Nebraska, Kansas, Missouri, South Dakota, uh, most all vape stores turned into mid nineties head shops. Yeah. That's kind of what was happening in, I mean, at least around me in California and Los Angeles as well. Damn, I should have read that during the during the stream, Nick. What are you doing? It's okay. 
Well, I support whatever vape shops need to do to hang yeah, 100%. and survive. I agree. Whatever vape shop has to do to keep selling vape stuff, you got you to gotta keep selling vape stuff. You got to keep serving people who smoke. You got to, because the smoking rate's got to keep going down. Yep. We can't have an uptick because of bad regulation. <laughs> which is where we're headed. Anyway, uh, I think we're just going to say uh, thank you so much for joining us, everybody. One more time. Thank you, Amanda Wheeler. You, you, and thank you to your husband as well for donating his. Oh, yeah. Office. His yeah. slick oak office. It's, it's real, real slick, real pro sauce. I like it. So thank him for us. I'll have to apologize later. I very abruptly booted him out of here. He's a good <laughs> man, though. He didn't ask too many questions. So it was <laughs> I'm sure he'll understand. I'm sure he'll understand. I'll thank him personally. Anyway, uh, thank you guys so much for being here. Uh, remember that no matter what anybody tells you, vaping is an order of magnitude safer for you than burning and inhaling deadly combustible tobacco cigarettes. So do some calls to actions. Do some testimonials. Keep fighting the good fight. We'll see you guys back here uh, maybe in two weeks for some more hot TBN action. And, uh, yeah, I don't have an outro, so we just kind of wave at the end until I bye. say finish we end the stream bye everybody woo okay bye in a second I promise it's already cut off <laughs>